Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. All right. The next thing we need to talk about here is power, right? So we covered wavelength. That's the color of the laser. We need to talk about power because power is the big one that the sales guys are going to bring up to you. The power essentially is just the brightness of the light source. It's measured in watts or milliwatts. Um, If we're talking about a pulsed beam, then we should be talking about the average power, all right? The average power is absolutely critical. It actually measures the energy that's being delivered to the tissues. The peak power is not as important. We're going to come back to this, but it's really important to realize the peak power is not as important. When you have pulsed light, and we'll, we'll talk about this more too, but the light is actually turned on and off for flashing, right? If you've got high peak power, but you're only getting tiny little blips of light, then your average power will actually be quite low, which means your light dose is quite low. And so a high peak power, low average power, it's still in, you still need to be looking at the average power. The average power is most important here. If you leave with one thing on your laser shopping journey after this, remember that average power is critical. Your next one is irradiance. All right. And irradiance is the power divided by the area being treated. This is also termed power density or intensity. Um, it's essentially it's the concentration of light in a given space. Uh, if you take a flashlight, remember the old mag lights and you could you twist the end and it would make a big beam or a small beam. Tell me, did the brightness of that light change when you made that beam smaller? No. The brightness is the same. It's either spread out over a larger area or it's concentrated in one area. That's what irradiance is. So we're not changing the power, the brightness of the light. You're simply changing the intensity in that given area. And so irradiance um, is is a very critical piece that you want to be able to understand. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one a little bit more too here. So hold your horses for just a second. First, we've got to hit energy. Energy uh, is, is what the light is delivering, right? Photon, photonic energy. It's measured in joules and it's calculated as power in watts times seconds. Now, the reason that you have to worry about time is because you have to gauge your dosing based on time. It takes time to deliver energy through light energy. So uh, you have to, you know, you, the, the longer, think about the microwave, the longer you cook it, the hotter it gets, right? And you don't, you don't really uh, change the power of the microwave. You just do it for longer if you want it to be hotter. And this is similar. You're depositing more energy the longer you go. So if you have a, um, a one watt laser and it's delivering uh, its, its, its energy dose over one second, then you have the delivery of one joule. If you have a half a watt laser, a 0.5 watts or a 500 milliwatt laser, and it runs for one second, then you're going to get half a joule, right? Now, energy density, uh, this is how we really determine dose. So just like uh, when we were talking about power and power density, this is talking about the amount of energy that is placed into a given area, right? And this is how we determine dose. So um, 
joules per centimeter squared. You take the area you're treating, the amount of joules you're putting into that area, and that's where you get joules per centimeter squared. This is a pretty imperfect uh, way to measure dose because it really only measures at the surface. And so many times we're more concerned about getting light either into the tissues of the brain or the hip joint or, or elsewhere, you know, deep into the body, but is what we have to work with. You'll see this uh, very commonly referred to in scientific studies and, uh, and in, in instructions on how to kind of manage dosing. So another quote for you here from the research at low doses up to about two joules per centimeter squared, photobiomodulation actually stimulates proliferation and uh, increased metabolism. Whereas once you get over about 16, photobiomodulation might be suppressive. They say is suppressive. We have a lot of information at this point that uh, it's not necessarily suppressive, especially if you're going for deep targets. Uh, essentially, uh, four to 10 joules per centimeter squared is a pretty reasonable target zone for your treatment. So if you're already doing light therapy, you should be delivering a dose somewhere probably within that four to 10 joules per centimeter squared. And so real quick example, if you've got a laser that's delivering one uh, watt uh, and you, you run it for a given amount of time on a given amount of area, you should be able to calculate out how many joules are going into that area or the device will tell you how many joules you've got going into that area. And you should have, you know, somewhere in between that, maybe four to 10 joules per centimeter squared in order to get a, re a good response in those tissues. There are some reasons to work outside of those windows. I'm not going to get into that one today, but if you want to know more, again, hit us up. All right, frequency. I told you we'd come back to frequency. This is essentially just how often the light is turned on in one second, right? Measured in hertz. So if you've got a light a laser that's flashing 10 hertz, that's 10 flashes per second. The duty cycle simply refers to the amount of time the light is turned on. So if you run a laser for one second and it's a 50% duty cycle, then half a second you're going to have laser on and half a second, you're going to have laser off. All right. And then the length of uh, that duty cycle really does determine um, the, your average power as well. All right. Okay. I actually want to go back for just a second because this one, I had to kind of blow through it to get to where we are now. There we go. All right. So, your average power here becomes really critical because you have to deliver enough joules to have a tissue effect. If you have a very high peak power, but a very low average power, you may not be delivering that much dosage to your treated area. So when you're shopping for a laser or a, a photobiomodulation device, if you're looking to treat large areas, you want something that can deliver a lot of average power over a short period of time. If you're looking to treat very small areas, you don't need to worry about a large average power over a small amount of time because you can deliver that light with more intensity to a smaller area, even if your laser or light therapy device doesn't put out that high of power levels. Okay, let me catch myself back up here. Okay, so this is where we start to get into the LED versus laser, and there's a lot of debate on this, really, um, and we're going to settle that pretty much here today because this is very, very simple. Look, light emitting diodes produce light that is polychromatic, which means more than one wavelength, 
but within a very, very narrow band of wavelengths. So if you've got an LED that's labeled, say, 810 nanometers, then it's probably producing light between about 800 and 820. Very narrow band. Most of the light is in that 810 nanometer wavelength, which means it's going to be within that therapeutic window that you want to be in. Now, they do have more divergent light than lasers. When you think about laser, probably thinking about very small spot size, you know, like laser pointer, you can point across the room. Yeah, that's, that's light that is collimated. It means it's focused and traveling in one direction, right? Uh, LEDs don't do that. They have divergent light. So as soon as it's produced from the LED, it tends to spread out. Lasers don't really do that. They produce light that is collimated uh, and it is truly monochromatic as well. It's going to be one wavelength, uh, one specific wavelength. And it's also going to be coherent when it's when it's produced. I've got a picture, we'll show that in a minute, but that means that all the waves travel together. Lasers are a lot more expensive than LEDs. Uh, they can be applied with standoffs, so you can actually apply a laser onto somebody's tissues from way up high, and it can deliver a huge amount of, of dosage just like you want it to, whereas LEDs, because they have that divergent light, they need to be really close to the tissues. This is what it looks like when you're talking about laser versus incoherent laser light. So with coherent laser, you're going to see all those waves travel together in the same direction, whereas with incoherent LED light, you get a lot more distribution. Now think about this. You can change, you can, you can really kind of skip this by just holding your LED closer to the tissues. All right. So lasers are not necessarily better. Okay. Um, the collimation factor and the coherence factors are lost as soon as you encounter skin. So once you hit the skin, your laser light and your LED light are essentially the same. As long as you can get it to the skin uh, efficiently, there's really very little difference. Light doesn't care where it comes from. There's nothing magical about the light that comes from lasers. As soon as your photons get to the skin, get into the body, there's really no difference. Other than, you know, with the laser, you might be a little more focused on that one single wavelength. You're going to get the most uh, capability, really, out of, out of lasers, but don't discount LEDs. They absolutely can do a lot of good. One little factor that, again, the laser sales guys won't tell you, and they, they might not even know it themselves, but most of the lasers that are out there, uh, a lot of the, especially really the class four lasers, use a fiber optic cable, a flexible cable. And that means that as the light travels along that cable, it actually loses its coherence. So it's already losing one of those factors of being laser. Um, it's still laser light, but it's not got all the waves traveling together. And that's because you can't keep all the waves traveling together if you've got a bendable, flexible cord. Um, straight cord, fine, or uh, articulating arm, like this guy here. Yeah, that'll keep, that'll, that'll maintain your, uh, your actual coherence of all the waves traveling together. But once you bend this cord, you really lose all that coherence. You still have a collimated beam. It's still traveling along just like a laser really does. And it's still just as good. It's just an interesting fact to know if you've got a laser guy who's trying to sell you on, oh, well, you don't want to, you know, your LEDs aren't coherent light. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. You don't really need coherent light. That's lost anyway as soon as you get to the skin surface. So if we are going to talk lasers, though, 
this is the big debate, the class three versus class four lasers. There's, there's way too much of a debate on this. I'm going to try and make this as simple as I can because you'll get talked in circles on this all day long. This is very simple. Class three lasers produce 0.5 watts or less. Class four lasers produce more than half a watt. It is a very simple eye safety classification system. It has nothing to do with the irradiance or the power density or the dose, All right? I'll say that again, it has nothing to do with the actual power density or dose. Remember, your dosing is calculated in joules per centimeter squared. So your class four lasers can treat a larger area at similar or higher intensities in class three lasers. Let me explain that a little bit more. Think about a 0.5 watt laser that is focused on a very small one square centimeter area, okay? Let's also think about a five watt laser focused on a 10 centimeter area. What's the difference? If you go back and you calculate the irradiance on both of these, it comes out to be the exact same. You're delivering 0.5 watts per centimeter squared with your small laser and with your five watt laser. The only difference is that you're just delivering it to a larger spot size. The intensity of the laser is the exact same. Your dosing is also going to be the exact same. Your joules per centimeter squared is going to be the exact same, assuming you run them both for the same amount of time. All right. The energy is higher. You know, the, the power is higher on the class on the class four laser, the five watt laser, because you're exposing a larger area, but the strength, the intensity of the light on the tissues is the exact same. All right. So when you have a class three laser guy telling you that all class four lasers burn. That is absolutely not true because you can use your class four lasers to deliver the same intensity as his class three laser. All right. I'll throw another example at you. Let's try a 0.3 watt laser with, again, a one centimeter square spot size. The irradiance there is going to be 0.3 watts per centimeter squared, right? 0.3 watts, one centimeter squared. A five watt laser with a 20, mini, 20 centimeter square spot size, which is about this big. 5 watts, 20 centimeters squared. The irradiance is actually 0.25 watts per centimeter squared. So you're delivering a lower strength, a lower intensity with your 5-watt laser on this big spot size than you are with your 0.3-watt laser on a small spot size. Okay? Spot size is a huge factor. It does not get talked about very much. But if you've got, again, a class 3 Laser person who's trying to sell you on class four lasers are always dangerous. It's absolutely not true. If you've got a class four laser trying to tell you that a class three laser can never be as powerful, you know, as intense with the irradiance of a class four laser, that is not true either. The difference is you're treating a larger spot size. Now, in a lot of cases, yes, you can get more uh, intensity out of your class four lasers if you want to, but you do not have to. All right. If you have additional questions on that, let me know. But this is a real pet peeve of mine because there's, you're going to see this. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.